Welcome back, baseball fans, to another edition of the Prep Baseball Report of North Carolina Podcast. I'm Brandon Hall, the Mid-Atlantic Scouting Director, and he's Matt Payne, our North Carolina Scouting Director. Matt, how you doing, buddy? Good. Good to be back on. Yeah, I know our, our, our buddies down in Florida and uh, Georgia, and then later today, you know, Sammy down there in South Carolina get pounded by rain and um, the hurricane that just touched base. So, um, I, 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 speaking of rain, we've, we've just been – flooded here it seems like lately it's affecting our scout days now i need this stuff to go away yeah we, we got hit pretty hard up here and it looks like more's headed our way yeah I, I my daughter started back to school this week and with the start of school comes soccer so mama coaches soccer and somehow i get roped into being an, an assistant um you know hopefully the the other assistant has a better idea of what's going on i can just hang back and, and not do anything but um we're already we're already in full fledged weather mode. We're watching the weather channel, trying to figure out if we're going to get our practices in and how we're going to do this. And you know, uh, flashbacks to when I was actually sitting in a college, you know, a, a locker room, and, and I think we had the weather channel on about twelve hours a day, trying to figure out how we're going to get practices in and how we're going to schedule this and how we're going to schedule that. So, um, hopefully, you know, this the fall we'll, we'll get it going. We'll get some of that nice weather. We'll get some of that cool weather. I don't mind it being damp, but we need the, the thunderstorms to start rolling out of here. Yep, get the get to September and get some of that humidity out. Last week we spent a bunch of time on the 2024 rankings. Um, you know, those are posted, those are up. We expanded to uh, 290 in the state of North Carolina. Um, we had a handful of guys that were in the national rankings that were released on Friday, and I know shooters going through and and doing some things on that and. And we had talked about that class being, you know, really middle heavy. The, the top half of the class, I think, has some really good college players in it. But we didn't have a whole lot of players that we projected to be top three, top five, top seven round guys. Now today, rankings week again, we're releasing the 2025 rankings in North Carolina. Initial impressions as you're going through the 25 class. Uh, 25 class in the state's a loaded class. Uh you go through the names at the top, there'll be a, a heavy presence in the national rankings and uh, a lot of guys that, that the pro scouts will have eyes on moving forward. Yeah, and that process has already started. I, I know just because of the, the 24 class and, and, again, not weak, but some of the lack of the current prospect status on guys for East Coast Pro, they took a handful of younger players down there and those guys played really well. Um, and so I think as we're going through the 25 class, it's funny how this stuff um, kind of averages out because you're sitting here thinking, man, we're, we're, we got this loaded loaded group at the top. We got five, six, seven, eight guys that may be top three round type prospects, and they're going to have to filter themselves out. Um, you know, this class has a chance just to be just to be loaded. But as we get through the class a little bit, it kind of balances it out. When you compare the 24 to the 25 class, the number of Division One commits you project. Um, number of college players you project um, are the two classes that much different in terms of their totality and are they different from classes that we've seen over the last five to six years yeah it'll be interesting i think uh this class may may thin out some as you get into it right now but uh they're heading into their junior season and i think you'll have several guys pop up by by state games next summer and uh this class could uh be deeper than what we we think it would be. Yeah, we talked about this the other day. As much as we're out and we're covering and we're <clears throat> we're trying to find out who everybody is, 
you know, really it's when they get into their senior year that we're, we're zoned in on just about everybody. You know, during that junior year, we still have guys that um, haven't played a single varsity inning yet that may be really, really, really good players. You know, the bodies take a little bit longer to develop. Maybe they were behind somebody at the varsity level. You know, so we're, we're constantly looking and talking to high school coaches, and we'll have some high school coaches, you know, starting here in the next couple of weeks, call us and go, hey, I've been light on this guy, and you guys need to get on him. He, he's he's going to blow up. He's a guy. You don't have him in your list, but you come see him, and we'll start hitting the road and seeing practices, seeing workouts. Then we got some tournament coverage coming up. We've got our uh, scout days continuing, and then we're going to run um, – our senior games and our top underclass games as we get into end of October. So still a ton of a, a lot of the list to build. Um, as you're, as we're getting ready to post the list, today's Wednesday as we're shooting this, you're going to post the 2025 class. What number are you kind of looking to get to in terms of the totality of the rankings? I think it'll be around 150 uh, right now and, give it a chance to, to grow uh, when we update them again after the All-State events and then uh, the big update at the end of next summer when uh, we feel like we've seen most of the guys in the class. And so you compare those two classes. We're at 290 in the 24 class. We're at 150 in the 25 class. And it does give you an idea of how much we will see over the next year because we will be adding, um, you know, between our next update at the end of the fall session going into the, going into the, the spring and then again at the end of the summer next year. Those, those updates, you know, we're looking at adding, um, you know, 100-plus kids to the rankings because because we get to know them better. We, we got a better idea of who they are. And instead of just throwing a bunch of names into a list and not being really sure of what's going on with that list, you know, I love the approach you've taken with <clears throat> let's rank the guys we're pretty sure about. You know, we can build some other lists. We can highlight players in other ways. But let's make sure that the guys we have in this list are really kind of have a chance to fall in those areas that we're ranking them. Yeah. Uh, guys that'll, you know, have a chance to play in college as you get on down the list and, uh, you know, balancing out the, what we've seen in gameplay and what we've heard about guys and what guys have done at, at our events, just watch them take BP or throw a bullpen and, you know, kind of factor that into the gameplay as well. Well, let's jump in the 2025 rankings in North Carolina. We're going to talk about um, really the top seven to eight guys right out of the shoot. We have a new number one. Uh, had a new number one in the 24 class, new number one in the 25 class. Um, and to give you an idea of how tight this class is, our number one from last the last time we published this list falls to number seven, Briggs McKenzie. You know, Briggs has battled some injuries, um, was down a little bit this, this spring and this summer. We're not worried about the long-term effects. I, I honestly think he's going to bounce back up in the list. But this group, one through seven, so tight that just that little bit, even though we know he's going to bounce back and get back, just that little bit affected his ranking, which honestly doesn't happen a whole lot because most of the time players aren't this tight at the top. Yeah, you know, Coy James going to number one. He, you know, he was in discussions when the initial list came out, and uh, he's been probably the most consistent guy in the class from, you know, the initial rankings until now, and. Uh, game performer goes to East Coast Pro and uh, has a great week down there, and he's with Team USA right now. And uh, look forward to seeing him in our All American game in a couple weeks. Yeah, no name was uh you know with Team USA last summer. I think the 16 U's and won MVP of whatever tournament that that was that they won. 
Um, and then one of the few, you know, uh, 16, 17 U's playing with the 18 U's. You know, typically that 18 U team is really, really senior heavy. So having a junior make that club gives you an idea of how much Team USA thinks of him, wanting his talent on the roster one, but wanting his individual personality on the roster two. Um, you mentioned the PBR All-American games. At this point, we've got three players from North Carolina that are going to be representing the underclass team. And the way our All-American game will work, we're going to play at the Brewer Stadium in Milwaukee, um, <clears throat> kind of a multi-day event culminating in the All- All-Star game. It'll be the 24 class versus the 25 class. Um, and, and with the 24 four class, nobody from North Carolina represented on that All-American game. And, again, we've talked about, you know, with that class not having that top-end representative. But then you go to the 25 class, and we've got three with James, Tyler Baird, Josh Hammond. Uh, one position player, uh, two pitchers. Hammond may get in that bat there as well. I know those shooters kind of working on – scheduling that out, but wanting to see him swing at some too. You know, talk about those three guys. And, and, you know, we've talked about James. Let's talk about Baird and Hammond and kind of what they they have to offer, what they've done this summer and kind of getting prepared for the All-American game. Yeah, Baird, another guy that was electric at East Coast Pro. And, you know, Hammond, great high school season, great summer. Uh, just continues to make jumps and – uh, one thing that stands out for him and is just his competitiveness, you know, and every time he takes the mound, he's out to win and, and stick it to you a little bit. And uh, Baird loved the upside, loved the projection and uh, really, really excited about seeing those guys in the future. And, and I think it's a unique setup with that all American game. I, I don't think I've ever seen it where you're having underclass play against the upper class. And in honest, all honesty, there, there's a big gap among most players. If you take the average player in a, in the junior class, the average player in the senior class, that one-year development tends to be fairly big. I think when you're taking the top end of the class, you know, we'll, that the 25 class will bridge that gap a little bit more. Um, but really a unique environment, not only for pro scouts, but for college scouts. Because, we, you know, with Tyler, he's still uncommitted. And there are going to be some uncommitted players that are in that All-American game with the way the new rules have played out. Um, you know, what are you most excited about with the totality of that event and it being our first one, um, you know, and seeing how we're putting that together? Yeah, seeing those two classes go head to head will be uh, it'll be interesting. Kind of be bragging rights for for who's the better class, and uh, you know, I think I think the young guys will go into it with a ton of excitement and uh, really to see North Carolina represented, you know, with three guys from one class, I think is very impressive. And you know, you go down and there was you know, four or five other guys right below those that were in the mix to get invites as well. And they, they still may, you know, with injuries, with guys playing into the fall, some guys may get tired. We may see some some other guys get invites. I know um, guys that we've talked to Shooter about as he's putting this together. We've talked about Rhett Johnson, who we have at number four. We've talked about Grant Nicholson at number five. Um, let's start with Rhett, you know, a, an outfielder, infielder, NC State commit, Wayne Country Day, um, left-handed hitter, plays with fast pace. What have you liked about Rhett Johnson since really we saw him in seventh grade when we took him down to Atlanta with our with our junior future games? He always hits. Um, you know, saw him during the high school season. He'd turn around 93, 94. Um, you know, he's advanced on the bases for his age and uh, gets on base, makes things happen, and I don't think he's ever seen an arm that, that he doesn't think he can drop the – drop the ball against 
Very confident. No, you're you're absolutely right. And he's a table setter for that Wayne Country Day offense. You know, and, and when he gets on, he feeds a lot of fastballs to the guys behind him. Because if you're going to throw a breaking ball, he's going to very easily steal second and probably third. Um, you know, the thing about him for me that, that I've been impressed with, with his growth through the high school and being a freshman, sophomore, now being an upperclassman, has been his willingness to play everywhere. You know, we've seen him in center. We've seen him in the corner outfield. We've seen him at second base. We've seen him flip over a little bit to the left side of the infield. You know, where is he going to play at NC State? I, you know, I don't know, I, but I think he's going to play because he gives he's going to give Coach Avent that option. You know, I can go anywhere, put me in a lineup. I'll be a spark plug there, but I can go anywhere defensively, get our best nine in the lineup. Um, Grant Nicholson, right-handed pitcher from Charlotte Christian, sitting number five, a Wake Forest commit. Um, you know, a righty I saw as a freshman during spring break. They brought him up at his freshman year and, you know, really intriguing, you know, long, lanky body, um, kind of a thin build, but the arms got some whip to it. Um, what have you liked about Grant's development and seen over the past six months? Uh, maybe as much upside as, as anyone in the class. You know, he's got uh, the metrics stand out on, on the fastball and the breaking ball and, uh, you know, 6'5", ton of projection, uh, stays in the zone. And I think he's a guy that has some some big jumps ahead of him. When we look at the rankings, and we've talked a little bit about you know the top five guys, I, I think you know you could go down to Briggs at seven, and really, if all those guys stay healthy, if all those guys are really getting a chance to peak, what they have a chance to be in high school, all seven of those guys could end up pretty high on draft boards. So there's a, it's a it's a year plus two years away. We got some time, but I think that's where that class stands. Um, as we look through the rest of the top twenty five. Who's the guy in the list as you're looking through that and going, you know, we may be light on him right now because I think there's some projection in there that may come in the next two years and he may jump up into that category of being in in with those top seven guys as a guy pro scouts really have to evaluate and make a decision on. You think you can look at the next two guys and and Kelvin Paulino and Sean Jenkins. I mean, Paulino always hits. You know, you don't always see high school guys that, that can drive the ball the other way as well as he does. And then uh, Sean Jenkins, uh, 6'3", 6'4", you know, loose, athletic. Uh, we saw him at state games. It was impressive. I think he's been up to 93 maybe, can spin the ball. And I think, uh, you know, 10 or 15 pounds on him. And uh, you could see him in the top five before the before the class is over. Yeah, he was a big winner out of state games. And even talking to the coach of East Carolina where he's committed, they had not seen that yet. And so – you know, credit to him. And I, I, Sean's with, uh, is he with A-Lab in the summers? Yes, Athletes yeah, Lab. Credit, you know, credit to those guys at A-Lab. You know, you're starting to see them churn out some arms and churn out some bodies that have really taken some jumps and, and, and gained some maturity and gained some strength when they've been in that program for about two years. So, you know, maybe something to look for when we're watching guys come through that program too because they've shown an ability <clears throat> to develop, you know, some high-end talent there. Um, as we slip outside the top 25, I'm sorry, the top 24, we're going to go to number 25, uh, Zach Bender. Zach was with us at the Future Games, just committed to Chapel Hill, left-handed hitter. Um, give me the assessment on Zach. What did you like about him, you know, and, and what's the prospects for him as he gets to Chapel Hill um, in the next couple of years? Always looks comfortable in the box. Um you know, with him at future games, uh, rarely takes a bad swing. 
has a plan when he gets in there. Uh, you know, can drive the ball to both gaps and uh, just a left-handed hitter. That's a threat, and uh, just really like his presence at the plate. Yeah, he, he's very, very, very hitterish. And you know, you start talking about you know when we're lining these things up and we're putting grades on guys, and you know, you're saying, man, he's you know, they've got tools, tools, tools. But the one tool that really matters for position guys is do they hit and is it loud and are they on the barrel and is there quickness and, and Zach Zach's checking all those boxes. I think he's got a chance to, to roll in into Chapel Hill and be an immediate contributor because he's got a chance to hit immediately. I don't think he's going to be uh, freaked out by velocity or stuff. He's just he's so calm in the box and there's such a direct path. Trust his hands. Um, you know we've seen him handle high level arms. I think that's going to continue. We're extremely excited for him with that commitment and. You know, really a player that we had a we had a really good time being around for multiple days down there in Atlanta, and now we're seeing his hard work over the last several years pay off. As we move further through the list, let's talk about just kind of the groupings here. You know, thirty through boy, this is the, the class has a little bit of length. Let's go thirty through fifty, right in that area, and. Really, when I look at the players in that group, I'm looking at players that have a tool. I'm looking at players that have had success, and I'm looking at players that have projection left. Um, is there anybody in that that 30 through 50 range that jumps out at you and go, he's going to be a really interesting follow just to see how it develops in the coming year? Uh, I, think, I think our future games, guys, we took down there, you know, from Gabe Murray on the mound to – Xavier McCory and Connor Robertson and Wilmer Martinez and Ian Williams and Davis Cabbage. I think all those guys are, you know, you know, the got guys that can play in the middle and defend. You got left-handed hitters with versatility, and you have arms that, uh, you know, have some athleticism and, and can spin a breaking ball. And um, really interesting to see the the jumps those guys may have and and how they develop, continue to develop their tools moving forward. You know, two names that did not make the future games final cut list when we were handing out the invites, but were right there on the verge. And then actually we were able to get them into um, our Mid-Atlantic Pro case up in Virginia. Um, Riley Gibson and Amari Burris. Riley Gibson's from First Flight High School. Uh, list as an outfielder right in the pitcher, probably a pitcher first for me. Lean, long body, lanky arm. Um, whippy and the ball, the ball explodes out of his hand. Um, I think there's been some command and control issues at times, but I think some of that's because of how the arm works. And the more he throws, the more he gets used to his arm speed, the more he cleans up his direction, the better control and command he's going to show. He shows a firm ability to, to spin the baseball. You know, again, the arm works. It's a lean body. What's the body doing the next year? If he puts on 15, 20 pounds, you know, it's the mass equals gas. He may throw, you know, start throwing really hard. If he's not ready to put on that weight yet, he's just continually getting stronger, but it's not really showing up. And just in terms of pounds, the direction cleans up, the line cleans up, and just reps, we may see the, the, the velocity tick up. And then it becomes a really good sign for a college program. Um, Amari Burris, a player that we saw last year at the C35 Scout Day at Bosheimer Stadium, followed him through from Durham Academy. Uh, saw him during the summer, and I saw him at the pro case. And, and he's twitchy. He's quick. He's got strength. There's leverage in the swing. 
Um, you know, if he's a left-handed hitter, he's you're probably a little bit more of a prime candidate for for some colleges right now trying to get him off the board. But I think somebody's going to get a really good athletic high ceiling player out of Amari when they decide to pull the trigger on him. Any thoughts on Amari as you kind of evaluate that swing and look and see where he could be um, an asset in the coming years? Uh, very athletic. Uh, I think he's he's still in the process of figuring out uh, how his body works and, and, and matching that with, you know, the swing that plays, plays best for him in, in games versus just BP. We're going to switch the gears in the rankings a little bit and talk just a little bit, Matt. I'm going to let you kind of roll through this list as I'm talking, looking for newcomers, guys that uh, are new to the rankings, guys you're excited about, guys that we may be a little bit light on right now because we just don't have the, number, the amount of information we may have on a guy that, let's say, we saw for five days at future games. we got a ton of information on those guys in those five days on the field and how they act and, and you know, really just getting to know them. But as you're looking through this list and we're looking at guys that are first time ranked in North Carolina as we expand to that 150 number, who are some of the guys that we, you look at and go, I like where he is right now. I think the ranking's right. But, man, if, if X, Y, and Z happen, we, we could see him really vaulting up the list. Uh, Sam Kerner, uh, catcher from, from Borger, uh, left-handed hitting catcher. Got to see him some. Uh, you know, really good catch and throw guy. Uh, can handle the bat. Uh, look forward to seeing him more. Uh, Michael Gorganis, uh, he was in there, but he, he makes a jump. You know, just really impressive at the at the top prospect games. Um, Johnny Ray, uh, athletic left-handed hitting outfielder, makes a jump. Good week at state games. Uh, a couple of newcomers, Cannon Lee and and Zeb Swingham, uh, two infielders. Uh, good actions defensively. Uh, both right-handed hitters. Uh, interesting to see how how it plays out for those guys. Um, J.D. Mace, um, six foot five, arm from Burlington Christian, uh, played some outfield too. Athletic. Uh, interested to see uh, see what kind of jumps he has moving forward. Mace is one of those guys that the the body and the direction is going to clean up. As he he's a good athlete. I mean, he was one of our better runners at top prospect games. I think he ran sub six nine. Um, you know, so obviously when he gets everything moving in the same direction, there's some quickness, there's some strength there. The, the biggest thing for him on the, on the mound is trying to figure out where that mound's going and where he's going. The arm's clean, and, and I, I agree with you. I think does he figure out the body? Does he figure out his delivery? Does he figure out where his belly button is on a day-to-day basis? And is he able to repeat? And then the more he repeats, does the arm quick and the, six, the, the rank of number 69 jump up into the 40s or 30s? Um, you know, and so there's, there's some, uh, you know, there, there's some room there. You know, another guy that you mentioned with Johnny Ray, you know, he, he moves up for us as a guy we had seen, but he bumps up about 11 spots in the rankings because he's gotten stronger and, and it's not that the swing's a lot cleaner and it's not that the, <clears throat> the, the, the aggression or the swing path or the mechanics to clean it. He just got, there's hand, there's legitimate hand strength there. And when he's on time for a ball, he punishes baseballs. The next step for him is can he, can he clean the swing up enough so he find the barrel a little bit more often? Because if he does that, that that rank of sixty one again could jump into the thirties just because of you know again how tightly bunched some of these guys are. Um, you know, you mentioned Cannon Lee and Zeb Swingham being new to the group. Swingham at number sixty, T.C. Roberson, 
state champion. Um, talk a little bit about trying to grade out guys that have elite or, or advanced tool sets that are really raw in the game of baseball versus a guy like Swingham who he does everything. And when I say average, I'm talking about the chance to play average at a, at a high, high college level. Um, you know, a, a division one chance to be average. And so that's what I mean when I say average. So he has average tool sets when you look at that, but there may not be one flashy tool set, one where you can kind of lean on and go, man, that's a special tool. When you're grading out a swing them versus a guy that may have that, you know, even let's, let's talk about J.D. Mace because he may. He may end up being special because of the length, because of the whip. It's just not there yet, and there's some rawness to his game. You know, as you're going through these lists, how hard is it kind of separating those guys? I, it's really hard to separate them, and, you know, I think where they end up at is a lot of just preference from the colleges that recruit them. Uh, but, you know, putting the list together, you don't know what kind of training J.D. Mace does or who he has working with him or, you know, how what his IQ is as far as body awareness or, or things like that versus uh, like Swingham, who, you know, he's not going to put up in a, an elite exit velocity or, you know, elite arm strength across the infield. But, you know, you, you watch his actions and the hands have softness and you see him make plays in games. And then, um, you know, his game at bats, he, he can handle the barrel and, you know, he'll he'll stay inside a ball and, and drive it to right field. And, um, you know, he, he may be more of a, a doubles guy in college versus um, somebody with, you know, a, elite bat speed and impressive numbers and hits the ball out in BP. But you can look at the swing and, you know, you can say, I can pitch to that guy. And, uh, you know, I think, you know, where those guys end up, it, it really comes down to the, the preference of, of the programs and, you know, what those programs like better. Some will, will take a chance and, you know, believe in their development and, and other programs want guys who are, you know, ready and you can kind of plug them in to compete for a job right away. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I, I, it's a, it's a really good point in terms of how lists can differ, you know, and, you know, we're putting this list together and, you know, you're trying, you're, you know, like, like me, when I was trying to do it, you're trying to kind of balance out where do guys fit and then d- different types of guys. So you're not just bunching, you know, really strong guys, and then all your really quick guys are down here. You're probably trying to fit those guys in and just alternate them a little bit. Whereas, you know, a Charlotte, when I was recruiting coordinator in App State, where you were the recruiting coordinator, we had a specific tool set we were looking for. You know, we were going to lean a little bit more towards fast twitch because we could really develop strength. Our strength system allowed us allowed us to go get body types and fast twitch guys and then turn them over to our strength guys and in six months we would we would catch up that ground on that strong guy you know whereas you guys may have been a little bit different so i think that's a great point in terms of you know how colleges are looking at it and i think it's also something that you know maybe over overlooked with the pro guys and trying to kind of mesh where is their player development system really strong where is it weak and how does that affect the way that we grade guys as we're watching them and trying to prep for the draft? You know, we may have a guy that, you know, and, and more likely it's coming from the higher ups because the area guys are going to put their numbers on guys, but the higher ups are looking at those numbers and they may move up guys that fit that body type or fit that spectrum of guy. They've had a ton of success moving through their system and getting to the big leagues. Yeah. You kind of got on the list, Matthew Aldridge, you know, he's, 
he can do things that you can't teach. Um, but you know, you could also show up on and see him on a, on a bad week where, you know, nothing's in sync and you could come away with two vastly different impressions of, of right. him as a player. Yeah. And that, and that affects everything that we're doing too. And that's why we're trying to be out as much as we are and trying to gather as much information as we can, especially with the younger players. As I, as I get to be seniors, a lot of that it, it's, it, it becomes, and not that it's what they're going to be in four years, but at that point we have to put a grade on them and we have to say, this is who you are. You're inconsistent. But as a junior, as a sophomore, definitely as a freshman, we don't have to put that moniker on them yet. We can just decide, hey, we're going to grade out their top end. We can, we're just going to grade out what they are average on a day-to-day basis. That's where our rank's going to be, knowing there's there's room to that ceiling and knowing we can jump them up. As we get into the 24s and, and really look at that 24 class, we kind of have to start dialing into what are they now, what are they going to be in – you know, eight months because, you know, we're starting to kind of get to that draft process with those guys. And then maybe looking ahead a little bit, you know, just like the pro guys would trying to project out a senior, what's he going to be when he's 22, 23 and ready to get to the big leagues. We can do some of that with what we're doing with our rankings, but you know, really that 24 class, it's mano a mano and, and we're, we're kind of really more, a little bit more heads up or with the 25 class, there's still that wiggle room of what could be in the future. Yeah, you, 25 class, you, you know, a lot of those mid-80s right-handers that, you know, you, you can see them making a jump and, you know, where they're at the next time is, you know, who's who's worked and who has made that jump and um, whose who's bodies continue to develop. Let's, um, let's turn the page a little bit. We're going to kind of stay within the rankings and within within this 25 class. But let's start looking at, you know, some of the guys that are uncommitted towards the top of the class that we haven't talked about. We've talked about Baird. We've talked about um, – is Pichardo committed? Uh, he was. He is not anymore. Okay, so Pichardo's open. That's right. I remember that now. Uh, Max Luzaraga. Max was a guy that we had invited to the future games that um, already had had some camps lined up and decided to honor his commitment to those camps, which was – you know, perfectly fine for us. Opened up a roster spot to somebody else, but he's a guy that we saw at the Dirtbag Scout Day, and and a guy that the Dirtbags have really raved about. But he has not pitched a ton at Weddington because he was he was needed at first base, he was needed in the lineup, and they had some other arms they were able to throw. But I think Weddington's got an ace ace ready to roll as a junior here. Um, you know, what have you what do you like about Max, and and what do you think colleges are kind of looking for? Uh, as they're evaluating the rest of this class. He's big, strong, and athletic. Um, Arm strength's obviously there, and he can spin the ball. And, uh, you know, I think he's – a lot of people like him, and, you know, I think everyone's curious to see how much more is in the tank. Yeah, he's also a high academic player. So, you know, he's going to have some options in terms of the academic side too, and – trying to weigh, weigh how he goes through that. But it's it's a it's a really whippy arm. We've seen 89. I know some guys have seen a little bit better. Um, and he hadn't pitched a lot, you know, so I think there's still a lot of rounds left in that chamber. Uh, John Lash at 24 from Charlotte Christian. Um, left-handed pitcher, maybe a first baseman outfielder, uh, a dual sport guy, plays basketball. Um, you know, John's been hurt, though, and hadn't been able to pitch. So still a little bit of an enigma, and you've seen him with our rankings over the last couple – 
couple times out. Fall, not not a ton, you know, shift. We'll call it shifting instead of falling. But a lot of it having to do with that injury and us just not be able to see. Yeah, you know, dual sport guy. So obviously you devote some time to, to basketball and, and he plays the plays offseason basketball there and been hurt. And, you know, he's a guy that healthy could uh, could move back up. With this class and, and, you know, again, the 24s are dealing with it now, the 25s are starting to deal with it because they're just now back in communication with college coaches, setting up visits, going through the process. But the college coaches are still going to be kind of holding back because they know that transfer portal is there. So they don't have to be in a huge hurry with this class, you know, waiting to see what's going to happen, you know, late ne- you know next summer and even into next year, trying to figure out their rosters, um, you know, Typically, you know, we see left-handed hitters, left-handed pitchers, um, bats, and runners go off the board. Um, you know, for, for players that aren't seeing the traction that they want yet, the the ability, maybe they were expecting a bunch of phone calls on August 1st, maybe they only got a couple. What kind of suggestions, what kinds of things should these players be doing as they're, they're kind of now able to communicate with college coaches and sifting through that process of what is – um, you know, they're recruiting year to two years. I think it gives them an opportunity to, to go out and play without the pressure of, of feeling like one weekend or one week can make you or break you. You know, I'm, they'll, uh, colleges will see them some this fall uh, and then gather information in the high school season and, and really dial in on them in the, in the month of June next summer. And so I think it, you know, as a player, it gives them, they can trust their developmental process and, and focus on it and, and realize that, you know, if they have a bad weekend in October, it's not going to cost them a spot. I think, you know, with colleges being a, a little slower to move with all that's going on versus in years past. I think it's a great point, you know, especially for the 25 class. With the big movement with the 25 class, you, you see some at the end of the summer, at the end of their junior year, but really you're talking about the top 30 to 40 guys. And when we go through our list, I mean, we're at – we're at 29, and it's pretty steady with the number of commitments. And then they've kind of got a couple sprinkled through there um, with guys that may have found their right fit. But that's normal. You know, it, maybe it's a little light, a little bit. Um, but that big rush, that next big window for these guys, you'll see a little sprinkling in the fall. You may see a little sprinkling prior to the spring season. But the big rush comes in next June when, when, Every school has really kind of completed that next incoming class. They know what's going to be missing. They have a feel for what's going to be drafted. They have a feel for the senior class, and they know exactly what their holes are. Now they can hit it hard. Um, you know, Typically, your power fives are a little bit further ahead, and those guys are working right now. But a lot of mid-majors really aren't starting on this class until they get through their upcoming spring season. And they'll, they'll start getting out and seeing high school games. And then early in the summer, they'll hit those guys hard. And then with North Carolina, you know, some of our events early and in the state games in North Carolina, give those guys a chance to see them multiple times, bang, 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 and make decisions and move forward. So, you know, I, I think with this class, if, if guys are wanting to set up visits, they're, you know, wanting to, you know, build relationships, I think this is a good time. I just don't think this class needs to be in a real big hurry in terms of, Hey, what are you guys doing? How many are you bringing in? What's what type of scholarship offer you think I'm going to be on? You know, are you, am I a guy that fits? 
I think it's going to be more about getting to know that school, that university, their academic department, their athletic training staff, their strength conditioning staff, their coaches as a whole, and do you fit? And then can we, you know, can we get to a point where athletically I get to that point where you want to offer me a scholarship or you want to offer me a roster spot or however that works. But I think that building of that relationship really starting with the 25 class has a chance to take hold more so than it has in the past when schools felt like they had to move a lot faster. Yeah. I think those schools have, uh, you know, they can really set back and watch guys develop and, and, and make, making sure they're making right decisions versus, you know, a couple of years ago where it was, you know, you see a guy twice and you go ahead and pull the trigger and, you know, deal with whatever happens after that. And um, I think, you know, these coaches will have a, have a good feel for this class um, by the time we get to next summer. Matt, as we, as we finish up this podcast, let's turn the page and talk a little bit beginning of school year. You know, beginning of school year, colleges have started, they're back, they're working out. But the beginning of the high school year as well, and I've seen a lot of high schools set up, um, you know, their, their informational meetings, come by and see me, you got to fill this out, we're going to get ready on our fall. You know, think back to your freshman year at NC State, your freshman year at AC Reynolds, think back to your senior year at each. And, you know, any any advice for – let's start with the leaders of the team. Any advice for the leaders, the guys that are now juniors and seniors, the guys that are going to be helping the coaching staff kind of push the mission forward in terms of dealing with younger players and, and being that mentor that maybe they've never had to be? Um, I think it's, it's, like, so much different now from when I played is, you know, we were all playing other sports. So I think, you know, you, you did some – some baseball in the fall, but there was a lot more, I feel like, multi-sport guys then. Um, I think a big thing for guys now is is uh, balance your field time versus your, your weight room time and, and speed and agility time. I think, uh, you know, you can gain more by, by being off the field and doing some other things versus just, you know, being on the field every day and going through the same routines and, um, you know, get your work in, but, you know, Make sure you're getting it in the right areas. Um, you yeah. know, you have you have all winter to gear back up. I mean, the thing I would say too is grab those younger guys and, and put your arm around them. You know, it's it's easy to be the hard ass. It's easy to be the guy that's cracking the whip and and telling people what to do. It's harder, I think, for a lot of players to go outside their comfort zone and get to know really a player that, from a maturation standpoint may not be anywhere near you. You know, you uh, juniors and seniors are a lot more, a lot closer to adulthood than freshmen, you know, and, and the things that you've experienced and the things that you're getting to do and the things you're looking forward to versus the freshman who's right now, honestly, is just day-to-day trying to survive high school. You know, so can you put your arm around them? And the idea being when, thing, when things get rocky in the spring, and you're having to lean on that guy, does that guy know he can trust you? You know, can, are, are we building trust? Are we building relationship? You know, I saw, saw the SEC thing where Skip Bertman talks about hold the rope. You know, are you really holding the rope right now for the younger guys and allowing them to catch up and hold onto the rope themselves? Or are you dragging the rope at a pace that they just can't, they can't keep up with? Because we need everybody on the rope pulling in the same direction. So that's the first thing. And then uh, with the younger guys, and I'm interested to get your, your perspective on this too, Matt, 
my, my advice for the freshmen and even some sophomore that are now starting to kind of feel themselves a little bit and starting to kind of look out and go, man, I, maybe I can make varsity. Maybe I can contribute to a state championship. Maybe we can be part of this. Be willing to fail in the fall. Be willing to fail in the weight room. Be willing to fail on the field. Put yourself in positions where you're uncomfortable. Tryouts aren't until February. You're going to do a lot of good things between now and then, and you can put yourself in a better light as you get towards the end of the end of the year if you're really worried about making a team. But right now, put yourself in positions to fail. Make the workouts hard. Make the weight room hard. And, and enjoy that failure. I can remember being a freshman at Millbrook High School way, 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 way back when, and they had the weightlifting in the summer. Um, where we could go live with the football team. And, you know, I didn't have any structured weight room stuff, but I was, you know, 5'8", five, 5'9", five, 90 pounds, you know, and I'm putting a, in a lifting group and they're putting plates on the side of the deal and I'm struggling to push the bar plus 10 pounds on each side, just physically weak. And I had guys in that room that were saying, that's a great job, way to go, do what you can do, get to failure, we're going to get you stronger – versus seeing other guys on the other side of the room that were struggling just like I was with guys laughing and sneering and tickering about, you know, how light a weight they had on the bar. What's the environment like? And what are we battling there as a locker room can determine a lot of what happens in the spring. Now, I don't know if you have any, you, you were a much better athlete than I was as a freshman, much stronger than I was as a senior, but uh, thoughts on thoughts on some of the, the things that you lived through, maybe even in NC State or in Pro Bowl. Don't uh, don't quit in the weight room. Uh, you know, you're just because you can't do the weights other guys do the the first couple of weeks doesn't mean you won't get there. So, you know, stay with it. Be consistent. I, you know, I think if you can be consistent for a month, you'll you'll surprise yourself with what kind of jumps you uh you make in there. And and then on the baseball field, be versatile. Um, you know, especially young guys, be willing to play anywhere and. Uh, show you can play, and I know you said it before, the cream always rises to the top. That's a good point with being versatile because, you know, the, the there's the one thing as a coach I, I always struggled with was I'm a shortstop. Well, I need you to play second. Well, I'm a shortstop. Okay, well, you can't play anywhere else. That's fine. You can go sit. When I need a shortstop, I'll come get you. But right now I got an All-American at short, so you'll, you'll be waiting a couple years. You know, be, be versatile. Be a baseball player. Be willing to go anywhere. Um, you know, we saw one of the guys we saw, we took to future games this year, Xavier McQuarrie. He, he's a, he's an advanced defender at short. I mean, he was really good, but they had they had a senior. They had a senior as a Division One prospect, and you know, going to play at Charlotte, and, and Xavier moved out to left, and he was in the lineup every day. And there's no doubt in my mind that him seeing high level varsity pitching over the course of four or five months, even though he's playing quote unquote out of position, has helped him tremendously in his development. And he's still got reps on the infield because his coaching staff, they're smart dudes, and they know what's coming down the pike. Yes, he needs out reps in the outfield because that's where he's playing now, but we're not going to sacrifice our future just to leave him and stick him there. He's going to get reps on the infield too. And most coaching staffs across the state operate in that fashion. Yeah. Uh, who you got tomorrow night, Florida or Utah? Florida or is that – is that is that football? Yeah, Florida, Utah. Where are the, that's it's going to be in Utah, right? Yep, in Utah. 
Yeah, I can't pick Florida. And, and my wife will tell you, I, I was yelling at the Netflix series <laughs> because they didn't cover things, um, you know, going on. But you, you saw me, I'm, I'm, I'm laser focused right now. I'm right here because it's game week for Georgia. And we got UT Martin. And, we, the, you know, UT Martin, they may win a Division One AA championship. That may be the best sleeper team in the country. We don't know. You know, they may have pros all over the place. So we've got to be, we got to be ready to go for, for that one. Um, my brother actually went to UT Martin and, you know, as we're big Georgia fans, having, having grown up in Atlanta, you know, we've been flipping him crap all week uh, as to who he's going to cheer for and what he's got going on. So um, I'm excited for football just being here. I've been looking, I've been looking to see if I can't get into the Chapel Hill, South Carolina game. It's Saturday somehow, some way. And just, you know, I've thought about going down to game day just to kind of be out and about and experience people and, um, you know, being a part of it. So one of the best times of the year, no doubt. Who's your sleeper that's got a chance to challenge for second place this year? Uh, sleeper. I, I think you Florida. You see last year. Uh, it, it, there's only – I mean, it's the SEC. I mean, <laughs> you, we, we, we saw what happened to TCU last year. Um, I think Florida is a sleeper in the SEC. Okay. Uh, I think Alabama will be better than people expect. Okay. And uh, Ole Miss. Interested to see what Ole Miss does. So, uh, the the one the one I'm interested to see is is LSU, and I know everybody's picking LSU, but what I'm interested to see about them is everybody's up on Jalen Davis, the Arizona State kid who came in and played quarterback last year. He moves around, kind of. He throws the ball well, kind of. But they love him. They talk about him. He's great. Well, he got hurt in the SEC championship game against Georgia. Or he bowed out. Whatever, whatever happened. The the other dude that came in can really sling it. I mean, really sling it. I'm interested to see if, if LSU if they don't hit a spell at some point during the year where they flip the ball to the other kid and say, "Hey, air it out," and he didn't go put forty on somebody. And now we've got a quarterback competition leading into the game at, a, at Alabama. Um, so I'm excited about that one. The other one I'm excited about is a little bit of kind of that hometown one, you know, and having worked there for so long, you know, Biff Pogey at Charlotte. They had the number one transfer portal class in the country. Um, he's raving about their defense, which they gave up like 50 points a game last year and got rid of everybody. But with Biff's background, if you haven't seen the HBO deal on St. Francis in Maryland and Biff's background as a money manager and, you know, basically getting out of that world to go coach high school football and then landing on Harbaugh's staff at Michigan, I'm interested to see how he handles a day-to-day at a place like Charlotte. Um, because Charlotte's one of those places everybody talks about, man, it's a sleeping giant, it's a sleeping giant. It's not because they're not financially ready to be a giant yet. You know, it's in a great spot. It's got great, you know, there's great things about it. But there are things that have to be in place. And, you know, you've seen it. You, you've been you've been at a high-level ACC program. And then you've also coached the junior college program. And I don't care how hard you work. There are certain things that money makes up for. There are certain things that are put in place that those, you just, you're putting yourself in a better position when you have X, Y, and Z. And they don't have that yet at Charlotte, but I think expectations are starting to rise with the new conference. I'm, I'm excited to see how they kind of handle that. And then if, you know, uh, uh, some rivalries develop with all this this back and forth in terms of, 
the shifting of the conferences. You know, does does Charlotte East Carolina become a bigger rivalry with them being in the same conference? I don't think East Carolina wants to accept that. I don't think they have to yet, but that'll be interesting for me. I did read this morning Oregon State and Washington State or Washington. We're looking at the AAC if SMU goes to the ACC. So that, I think uh, you, you coached. You you have any interest in getting on a plane, leaving not 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 getting on a plane in Boone because you can't driving to Charlotte or Greensboro, flying to Oregon State, playing, coming back, and that's a conference series you got to do every other year. Yeah, there's it's there, there's It'd no be cool once as a non-conference. I don't have any interest in doing it as a conference series. No, and you know doing it every year, and you know not just you know, football, but all the, the other sports got to do it as well. And, you know, we all, we know the budgets that some sports get and that's, uh, makes for some miserable travel. <laughs> Especially when you're not I, within I, uh, I have two, never, hours, two hours of an airport. So, well, I, I've yeah. never chartered, you know, I can remember when, when chartering was becoming a bigger thing and schools would typically, we were able to pick off schools like Boston College or, or Virginia or Virginia Tech when they were going to Clemson. We could pick them off on the way down because they wanted to get there. They wanted to work out Thursday. Come play us Wednesday night. Get get up and go on down there Thursday and be ready for your weekend. And then, you know, a couple of those schools would call us the year of, and be like, hey, we're chartering, so we don't have to do this anymore. So <laughs> it doesn't make any sense for us to charter Charlotte and charter Clemson. We're just going to charter directly to Clemson, you know, but we appreciate you. So. Um, you know, I, it's going to be interesting to see what the NCAA does, and, and it, it's going to trickle down to baseball. It's going to trickle down. It's going to affect everybody. That's going everybody. Is, but I'm hoping somebody smart steps in and just says, you know what, USC being in the same conference as Rutgers, screw that. I, no one, nobody wants to see that. Two, I don't know that the kids from either place really want to go do that trip more than once. I think going to the West Coast and playing somebody twice in four years, that would be pretty cool. But I have no interest being at Charlotte or Wilmington and going and playing Pepperdine or Hawaii or Cal State Fullerton every single year and doing that trip three times a year. That's just there, – there's I don't, I don't want to do that. And if I'm a West Coast kid right now and the way it's setting up, some of those West Coast teams are going to be making that trip three to four times a year. Yeah, you know, and then you get back on a Monday, and then you got a bus ride on Tuesday for a midweek game, and it just uh, hurts you more than it helps you in a lot of ways, I think. Unless you know, you're really seeing the seeing the money, and I don't know that they will. Well, I know the guys in 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 uh, South Carolina do this. I know you've been on their um, on their podcast, been a part of it. But let, let's roll through it just a couple games real quick. Florida or Utah, who you got? Florida. Okay, I'm taking Utah. Virginia or Tennessee at Tennessee? Tennessee. Uh, East Carolina or Michigan? Michigan. And I'll let you know if I disagree. Um, UT Martin or Georgia? <laughs> Georgia I'm telling cannot. you, don't, don't underestimate UT Martin now. It's a good game for Georgia to play the guys that the walk-ons are not the walk-ons, but the red shirts that get their four games. Georgia can. It's not uh, going to happen. No, Kirby's got to get his guys in game shape. He's going to play his starters into the fourth. I guarantee you, because he's worried about game shape. 
there's another one. Oh, UNC South Carolina here in Charlotte. Uh, Drake May can't win the Heisman in one game, but he can lose it. And, okay. Uh, I, I think uh, South Carolina in that one. I'm interested to see who can run the ball in that game. I think the D-line and the O-line for both those clubs are going to be extremely important this year. And so I'm, I'm, I'm leaning South Carolina uh, right now just because I think defensive line will hold up and create a an instance where Drake May has to do it all. And I don't know that his wide receivers are ready to handle that. Drake, I think, would be fine if he's got enough weapons. I just don't know that the weapons will be ready. Uh, and then the final one, Let's do uh, LSU Florida State Sunday seven thirty. I'm going Florida State. The return, the return of the Seminoles. You're taking it. It's yeah, it says there at home. I, is this game being played neutral? I can't tell. That says that Florida State. I'm assuming that all the hurricane stuff will be out. I know Tallahassee's taking a beating today, so you know prayers to everybody there, and hopefully they got through it well. I. I like I like SEC teams early in the year. I just for for and, and I don't think Florida State has learned completely how to win yet. And I think LSU's got a lot of momentum coming off of how they finished last year. So I'm going to go LSU. We'll 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 tease that. I may we may do a graphic <laughs> and throw that up there and and then you know steal that from South Carolina, but we won't tell them. So, <laughs> all right, man. Well, I, I appreciate you jumping on again this week. I appreciate your insight on the 2025 rankings. For everybody out there, prepbaseballreport.com starting Wednesday. Every state in in the uh, in the system is dropping their 2025 rankings. On Friday, our national, our overall rankings will drop with that class. There's going to be a heavy, heavy, heavy feed of North Carolina players in the overall. Um, subscribe to this to this podcast. Subscribe so you can see um, every time we post and then also throughout the week, we'll have some shorts and some other, other links that we'll post out of here. Um, and we may get a little bit heavier on that as we kind of get into some, some events going on in the fall. Um, but your, your ability to subscribe helps us as we're trying to get this information out. Um, and then if you're not seeing everything on the website, if you can't see all the rankings, if you can't see everything we've published, but you've been to an event, ping us because we have a subscription we can get you for, if you haven't taken advantage of it, we can get you a subscription, allow you to see everything for a penny. Um, if you've already taken advantage of that, then there are multiple. There's a monthly fee and there's a yearly out there that you can go see and, and kind of get caught up to date on the rankings. Um, you know, and, and positive feedback only because our egos are fragile. We can only take the positive stuff, right, Matt? That's right. <laughs> for Matt Payne, I'm Brandon Hall. This is a Prep Baseball Report North Carolina podcast, and we'll see you at the field.